0: Hello passioneers. I'm Dilbar Gill and I'm happy to welcome you to another episode of Straight Talk. I took the reins of this episode as a team principal. Myself and our race drivers are the ones that get grilled by the media. When things are good or things are bad, we are the ones with the cameras and microphones on us. And as you know me, my heart beats and I keep like pounding on that. So we thought it's time to turn the tables and roast the media. I invited two of Formula E's prominent personalities... To sit around the hot seat with myself. Jerome and Pascal gave them a bit of a hard time. I was good to them in the end. So guys, uh, we're now getting into 54 races now and as you knew, I was a total newbie. Our as you say, a novice. when I got into motorsport And you guys had a lot of fun at my expense For the last couple of years So I think <laughs> like it, today may be some time for me To get a few questions from you guys I'm not trying to have fun at your expense Because I don't know if I have the right questions to ask you guys But I think it will be good fun Because I think you've spoken to me in my happiest moments My emotional moments As as you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve And if you translate my name from Hindi to a thing Dil means heart oh, really? Okay, so that's my first part of it So like I wear basically my heart on my sleeve The other part I'm not going to tell you yet Okay so, basically, I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you guys to introduce yourselves. Uh, not that you need much of an introduction, but it'd be nice. Sam and Jack, who are here, could you just please introduce yourselves, guys? And who do you write for?
1: And well, thanks, Snowbag. First of all, thanks for inviting us onto the podcast. Um, so, I'm I'm a, a journalist. Uh, I've been working in racing pretty much all my life, almost thirty years, in fact. Um, obviously I'm 32 years of age, so it's a fairly early <laughs> start for me. But um, no, so I, I first uh, did Formula E at Punta del Este in Season 1, which is my very first race. I missed the first two, but I've majored on endurance racing mostly, done a little bit of F1, um, some GP2, but the full range of, of motorsport and in, in different positions as well, from washing wheels when I was a 15-year-old to, to writing about it. So... Uh, yeah, kind of imbued in it via my father and and various other uh, people who've influenced the way uh, the way things have gone for me professionally over the years. Yeah,
0: oh, that's nice. Uh, Sam. It's I think when you came down for the first race in Punta, for me till today, that might have been one of the best laps I've seen in Formula. E, was Jevs pole and Punta yeah. in season three? Maybe the single best lap I've ever seen from any driver going out in Group One, nailing it and coming back. So I think yeah, you came down and you saw. Some amount of amazing stuff happening that day, yeah.
2: Two legends joined Formula E that
1: day, <laughs>
0: didn't they? <laughs> you know, and you, one remains a legend. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: The funny thing about that was, the first race I went to, I don't know if, if Jack had the same opinion, but the first view of Formula E, it was so new, it took a bit of adjusting to, not only the the visual and the, the fact that there was no noise, but just that this was actually happening, that Alejandro pulled it off, because... You know, it's no secret that a lot of naysayers were suggesting that it had a shelf life of four, five, six months, and it, you know, almost came to pass, didn't it? But when you look at Fomri then, and you look at it now, looking over the paddock here in Monaco, I mean, it's it's almost a different entity completely. You know, there there are some of the same faces in it, and there are some of the same teams and same drivers, but on every level, it has just escalated into something now which is vast and why manufacturers are attracted to it so it's uh, you know in only what is that four and a half years it's just yeah exponentially become you know huge
2: i was there at the the car launch at frankfurt in 2013 so that was when i first saw it and i remember we were trying to get pictures of it or something i'm filming and i was interviewing people and the car didn't move at that point like it was there in shape but it hadn't moved yet i don't think at all and I think for me, my first race was the first race in Beijing. No one knew what was going to happen because they'd done a test race in Donington mm-hmm. where at least 80% of the cars just stopped on track randomly. And,
0: and we had a, literally a first monocoque change also after that. Yeah. When Bohemian Karun crashed. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. End oh, the, That was fantastic.
2: Yeah, because got... His, <laughs> he won Karun into yeah, the... Yeah, he went, he went the wrong way yeah, or yeah. something and tried to turn left up the pit lane for some reason and Karun slammed into the side of him. So that was the first crash test for... Formula E. So Beijing was all a bit scary. And the fact that it then ended up being a race was quite a relief. And you go, oh, okay, this is just a motor race. This is, you know, it's it's normal in the, in that sense that it's cars racing around a track, which is what I'm used to.
0: Absolutely. So uh, Jack, well, we're still waiting for your introduction.
2: Oh, I'm Jack <laughs> Nichols. And I do the commentary on the TV for, for Formula E. So I'm the one who shouts all the time. And uh, I've been into motorsports since I was like, Six watching Damon Hill and uh I also work in Formula One for the BBC and I've done other bits. I started off marsh did you have a Marshall? I was a Marshall for no, two never or three not. years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. were you? Yeah, yeah, full on? orange. Uh all over UK. So I did Donnington, Snetterton, Brands. Don't think I I never did Cadwell. Uh Silverstone. Well, yeah? okay. Cool. And then okay. I decided I didn't want to be out in the rain. I wanted to be in the <laughs> In the, the only
0: way for you to get out of the rain is move out of England yeah okay, <laughs> yeah, that's true. okay so I'm going to ask you a question Sam okay tell me an amazing formulae story that you have never been able to talk about publicly <laughs> without telling me who it is because I don't want to get sued
1: <laughs> goodness me yeah I need a team of briefs and uh, legal attorneys a here. team
2: of briefs was that part of
0: the story uh, yeah, yeah. Of- <laughs> no, no not at
1: all but uh, oh, goodness me that's uh, that's an interesting one Uh there are so many that I probably can't tell.
0: Well, I'm, I'm kneeling down. I need to know one which you can't, <laughs> which
1: you can't tell about, uh, talk about publicly without telling me what it is. Well, I, actually, I'll tell you an interesting one that, which predates Formula E. I work for Lola, Lola Cars, who, you know, sadly no longer with us, but uh, hello, Pascal. Hi.
0: So we just have Pascal dropping in to say hi to all of us doing uh, this podcast here. So we're in the middle of a podcast. We were in the middle of an interesting question. You both, uh, both Jerome and Pascal, have dropped in. So this is a question. Again, I'm asking Sam. Tell me an amazing Formula E story which you cannot talk about publicly without naming uh, naming the person. Because I don't want to get in trouble. Let's go ahead and tell us a story which no one knows about.
1: Okay. So one that I can tell, and and one which I think is interesting is, and it predates Formula E. So I used to work for Lola. Lola racing cars and. So I was kind of involved in electric racing and and Formula E to some extent before the start of of the championship, which Alejandro founded. We worked on the Drayson uh, electric LMP car, which you may remember. Yes. And Drayson were going to be part of the the championship in season one and become a, a team, and it was eventually taken over by Trulli, by Jano's team. I worked a little bit on that project, and Lola was also pitching to run Formula E with Lord Drayson because it went out to a tender. Yes. So my involvement goes way before Formula E um, from an interest of EV technology and just seeing where the sport was going to. And not a lot of people know the fact that uh, Lord Drayson and Lola put in a proposal to be involved in Formula E from a
0: well, that's a not going to get us sued, Sam. Let's go, let's get on a bit I'll more. Try, I'll try harder. <laughs> yeah, let like me you. think
1: if I. Okay, can there's, really I've got speak. one, <laughs> go on. a little bit of
2: one where uh, a driver had won the race. Well done to the driver, and uh, there and then there was a party after the race, and I was ch- and It was only early; it was maybe 10 p.m. We arrived at this party, but the driver had enjoyed himself after the race, and I was chatting to the driver. I go, oh, so you know what? Do you, you know, oh, great job there. Oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah. Mm. Turned around, released himself on the floor of the on the floor of the party, all over the floor. Then he came back to me and went, "Oh, sorry about that." Wiped his mouth, spoke another sentence, and then threw up again, nice. on the floor. What, mean, what, know it wasn't you, it wasn't it wasn't
3: me. I would mean, have forgotten about it. Well,
1: well, Dri- drivers it, will do anything for the minimum maximum weight thing, won't they? You yeah, know, yeah. The it Luke could just have keeps been, going on about it, so maybe it was him.
2: Okay, it, Jack, could, it could have been in ev- any season of Formula E that this driver won. Okay.
0: All right, so is, there's two of them who won in five years. <laughs> so I if that. I just have to tell you, there's only <laughs> Degrassi and Bird who won in all five years. Okay, so the choice. Anyway, uh, so let's move, let's, let's move on not This year he's not one. Okay, now, Jack, I'm going to ask you this question and you have 20 seconds to answer this, okay? Okay, okay. What's the story that, you, that when you first heard, you didn't believe it, but it was true?
3: Jerome signed
0: in Formula e. yeah. <laughs> No, 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 no help. Like, you're, uh, you're running out of time, my friend.
2: I know. I, um, uh, I'm not good under pressure. Massa, actually. Massa, I didn't believe that when the stories came out about him. Because initially the story was he was going to join Jaguar straight away after uh, after the end of the season. Yeah, And I didn't really believe, and I didn't really think he'd be interested in doing Formula E, but... but I was wrong. On,
1: on the same thing, though, somebody told me that Robert Kubica tested at Donington, and I followed it up and I called somebody that I knew in and around Donington, and he confirmed that he'd seen him at the track. So we eventually oh. did a story on that, which was I think twenty seventeen, and then I got a major <laughs> from <laughs> <laughs> again on that one. But uh, yeah, yeah, Robert tested briefly at, at Donington.
0: Okay, so Sam, going back to you. What's the most shocking news you've reported in the last five years?
1: Shocking news?
0: Yeah, and I'm not meaning, no pun intended, okay, it's
1: electric. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. When you Shocking's quite a big word, isn't it? Um, I, I wouldn't say it's shocking, but I was I was quite surprised for, for lots of reasons that Formula E went to Saudi Arabia. Not for any specific reason, just the fact that I suppose that it doesn't have a, um, you know, a traditional industry racing industry. That that was surprising news. Not not shocking but surprising news. Uh shocking I'd have to think a bit 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 longer but
0: you, you never give us time to think when you're on the other end <laughs> and today
1: you want the time, okay? Like
0: <laughs> please extend the courtesies to us. What you expect, okay, ask <laughs> to the extend to you. Okay, so Jack, I really like you because I think you're one of the few guys I identify with in the in the paddock who gets excited like me. Okay. So when you talk about excitement Tell me the one on-track incident which made it jump from the chair the highest during a race.
2: It's probably still <clears> Heidfeld <throat> and Prost in season one. That was still quite a... Because it had been quite a boring race in the first race in Beijing. They'd followed each other around and we still didn't really know what was happening. And, you know, everyone was still sort of making it up. And then the last corner, they just had a massive accident. And Nico Prost was... I don't know why he did it or whatever. It was just
3: shocking. What, Jerome? you think I have what's the what? No, I didn't. What were you expecting? it? season two in uh, London? Finale? Yeah. Buemi? Oh, Lucas? Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, or we were expecting something to happen, so maybe it was shocking. I didn't think he would
2: <laughs> accidentally make that mistake the, the way he did. So that's why it was more... I think that was a
3: shocking... I mean, that was yeah. a, like a wow moment. In the- yeah, yeah. that was wow. Yeah.
1: The, yeah, those two. And actually, in your commentary... Was there a deliberate symmetry to the Prost center yeah, at yeah, Suzuka? Yeah, was absolutely. When you yeah, said yeah, it's yeah. happened immediately or something, that yeah, yeah. was quite. Yeah, that was like unconscious, was it? So not no, it was. It
2: was, abso- it was. absolutely intentional. Okay. Because I'd thought that yeah. it might. We might get a center Prost Suzuka nineteen ninety incident. Yeah. So I don't know why I thought that would be cool, but I did.
0: Okay, so as I said, I'm going to turn up the heat slightly. Okay, Sam, who you who don't you like interviewing?
2: Oh. That's a good one. That's a
1: good one. Uh, th- there's a reason we didn't see the uh, questions. I'm uh, <laughs> looking towards your PR team here. is there anyone I, I don't like? Yes. Uh, and I want a uh, name. Yeah, I mean, there are quite a few. But, okay, but only on from top the. Of your list. I'll come to the name shortly. <laughs> okay. But the, the, un, the, un, the only yeah, reason. Like
0: is... anyone, team principals, drivers, uh, promoters, <laughs>
1: yeah. FIA. In, in one sense. <laughs> I
2: know who you want to say, that's the fun thing.
1: In one sense, you you actually quite like interviewing everyone because you get a, a full range of different opinions and and different characters and different insights. So you have you certainly have your favourites because you get more out of them. Um, some some you don't, you know. Some some are very <laughs> what what you don't come to the point. <laughs> yeah. This is high pressure, high stress. I so I would say Dilbeg, that you don't like to interview somebody you know is on a very corporate level so therefore some of the manufacturers do have corporate people who only give corporate answers and have been on too many courses on how to answer questions in a very so you're not going to give me a easy name way
3: even that is corporate no <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> yeah, i'm
1: <countering laughs> corporate. he's taking two minutes for. <laughs> <That's kind of laughs>
0: so i'm um, okay i'm going to give you a bit of a breather right now okay i'm being nice to you As, okay if you're not going to give me a name does it give you more satisfaction to like find out like a breaking news of these manufacturers and then break it because you typically don't like interviewing them is there a correlation where you enjoy okay man i've got a story on these guys and i want to release it
1: he loves it absolutely yeah no i'll be honest It, it, it is good it's a you know in some ways it's a game because you know they they often set the rules so you kind you kind of you know like your engineers downstairs you try and find little avenues and corridors to to try and find out a story so yeah it's, it's all part of it it's part of my job just as much as it is your engineers to find a few tenths, i guess in a way but obviously that's a bit more important in the general scheme of things so you get a bit of a sixth sense on what what stories are coming and what might be happening so it's satisfying when it when it comes to pass when you when you get it right occasionally you get it wrong uh which people tend to remember more than when you get it right sometimes and uh that's a bit frustrating and sometimes people give you wrong information kind of deliberately as well. So you've got to try and filter it out and, uh, and get the best, best solution. So it's not always easy but I, you know, I guess it's like anything. It's like a bit of experience that, that counts. You know, It's like I suppose uh, in some ways an, an, an experienced driver who can, who can stitch a good qualifying lap together and a race together more than a, a, a cold rookie in a sense. Mine's Robin if Friens. I can use that analogy, huh? he's good because he got
3: completely—he got me completely lost in his answer. I know <laughs> he's, not, he's not going to the point. Yeah, mine's, mine's Robin Fry,
2: so I—I love him. Lovely. I know. Boy. I know. You—you you like you have a soft corner for mine. If I listen
0: to the commentary of the race, you no, tend to go more on Robin French than anyone
2: else. Yes, you do. But, but he's very difficult to interview because he just doesn't—he's
3: just so laid back. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't and you're like,
2: come on. Like just try a bit,
3: and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I've been with Robin. He's yeah. been in my race team uh, when I was 15 and 15, 16 he's what. Five years younger than me. So yeah. we were in the same go karting team. So I've yeah. seen Robin growing from being a five-year-old yeah. race car driver until you know until I left go karting. He's always been like that. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't give up. He just he just likes his racing. He's just I think he's extremely talented. Purely at it doesn't draw reports and stuff too much yeah. but uh, yeah he's been that he's been he's just been himself yeah. through uh, throughout the years which has i think in the, in, in maybe cost him in some uh, in some moments but at the same time i do appreciate uh, i do like to see some drivers being able to stay themselves you know yeah. through all that, that corporate yeah. uh, thing that you were speaking about it's it's not an easy thing to do for sure well, uh, Boemi's quite good at that
1: buemi's heart on sleeve he will give you an answer Irrespective of whether he's told to say it or not. I think he's just a bit warm blooded sometimes and he gets out of the car. That's a good
0: point you brought up because I want to talk a little bit about uh Bohemi's meltdown uh in Montreal. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's talk a little bit about that guys.
2: Uh
0: for me, I just loved it. That for me that day the guy was human <laughs> to me and I, I for me I started really liking him from that day.
2: That's but, that's interesting. So also the Montreal race, was it Kate Upton? Was Kate Upton at Montreal? Yes, yes. I think it was Kate Season Upton.
1: Three,
0: yeah. and, someone um, Jack, and someone asked her. I know, know. I think that's
2: her name. Jack hates
1: it when his exes turn <laughs> up.
0: <at laughs> the
2: I do remember it because we were on pole that day. Oh, okay. okay that's
0: so she I came mean, for the photograph yeah, yeah. pole. And uh, yeah, I think so I got a bit was... of brownie points at my heart with my daughter,
2: yeah. <laughs> so she was um, asked after the race, who's your favorite driver or something? And I don't think she was the biggest Formula E fan in the history of the, history of the world. But she said, oh that Sebastian Buemi guy because he's like mad and great and you know passionate and all of that and that would have been the last person I'd have had Kate Upton pick as their her favourite driver in Formula E but because of that because of that heart on the sleeve she's the best looking as well is Buemi the best looking <laughs> is that what she said as well uh yeah, because you didn't have the beard at that point. I think that
3: was the, that's the thing. She said there, then she wasn't talking about him. <laughs> I'm
1: so the, the 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 background to the whole Seb thing that weekend was obviously the Nürburgring two weeks before when he that's couldn't it attend it. So in his mind, there was already something going on before he got to the track, and it just escalated. It, 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 for whatever reason, he couldn't he couldn't control it. But as you said, that's kind of passion. You know, that's it's him caring about what he's doing.
0: See, like, I didn't know much about uh, Bohemi, but the first time I really, like, sort of sat up and my eyes opened was actually uh, end of season dinner of season two when he went to speak after the, uh, after the crash with uh, Degrassi. Degrassi, yes. I think, was spoke in the beginning, and then he went to the thing. And Bohemi was funny, man. That He was yeah. genuinely funny when he spoke. Yeah. And I said, like, that really, like, stood me up and said, no, this guy, yeah. and he spoke calmly about the incident... But and at the end of the day he uh, went out and won because both of them are playing a cat and mouse game yeah. of the fastest lap and like yeah. going out messing with everyone else's race but they don't care a for anyone Upon the point in time it was a championship on the line yeah. and he comes back I thought it was really cool yeah. Sam I've got one question for you because everyone wakes up in the morning nowadays goes to E365 racing and uh, tries to like see what Sam come up with today okay, because S- it's thanks for the-, to the, the advert I go to yeah? auto sports still. <laughs> it's much more reliable <laughs> so Sam <laughs> Okay, and this is one I, I expected your answer. You've been you've been sort of uh, evading everything today, and I'm, that's something which I've learned, and I'm going to f- give it back to you sometime going forward. Who's your source?
1: <laughs> Tomato. Source. <laughs> he's, yeah,
3: he's got more than one source.
1: I got a laugh out of Pascal. That's Good. <laughs>
0: Tomato sauce, okay. Fine, my sauce. Uh, you're going to get some of these back, okay? Yeah, chicken, chicken tikka masala is coming back from
1: India, yeah? Actually, you wouldn't believe some of the sauces I have. Yeah? Yeah, genuinely. Okay. The most unlikely people, the most high profile, the most low profile. But humans like to talk. People like to talk. It's okay. just human nature. Oh, do you like to make them talk? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get the torture devices out. No, you know, people just like to do it. People like to... Discuss information. They so, like to. So,
3: what's your technique to get someone if you want uh, an information out of someone who's not willing to disclose it? What obviously you're still going to try. I mean, I, we've been in that position. What's your technique? I want to know what, what you're trying to psychologically build around. Like, what well, it's you it's,
1: just, it's just relationship, really, Jerome. It's it's no secret. It's just developing a relationship. And actually, I was quite lucky because I I came into Formulae knowing quite a lot of people, mechanics, engineers, from previous series that I covered. So. Honestly, there's no secret formula. It's just, it's just talking to people. Sometimes getting a bit of a framework to see could this happen, could that happen, and then you kind of strip it back a bit. So it's there is no magic secret. There's no torture involved or anything. It's just, it is just relationships and speaking to people, and um, and, and knowing who the right people are to speak to, and then checking it. And so there's it's quite a bit of work involved. But from a news point of view, you know, it's um, it's nothing more than that. It's just, it's a method, I suppose.
0: I have a question for you, Jack. So going on this line, in Formula E, you've been also there. Have you been for all the races?
1: No,
2: I'm, I've missed three or four
0: or something yeah? like that. Yeah. So in your thing, who's the sketchiest team in the
3: spec? Sketchiest team.
2: So what, uh, so what happened was, at the end of, before season two... I wrote a piece on the Formula website saying what all the teams were doing. Did you guess what uh, Game of Thrones? I
0: no, know. no, this is a personal question I've been asking him, he knows
2: it. And all the teams, so it's like Renault obviously are going to build a Renault powertrain. Audi are going to use an Audi powertrain. Venturi are doing something with Williams or McLaren or whatever they were doing. No one at Mahindra, Mahindra hadn't said what they were doing for their season two powertrain. Nobody knew. Or there was, you know, you probably reported something that something with Dallara, I don't even know, Brembo or something I don't even know. But so I just wrote that, you know, what Mahindra, the reports of what Mahindra are doing next year are a bit sketchy. And that's what I meant. So we, I, we didn't know. This so so sketchy, though. Because sketchy, sketchy is like, broad, like well, what, exactly. What so this is where it's sketchy? been. So yeah, he just called us sketchy. That's all. So I didn't <laughs> say the team. And so he now. So, so Dilbag we, now thinks I'm, I think Mahindra was a sketchy two. team. I don't forget. Uh,
0: I, yeah, I, I, I don't forget. So
3: Since season two, it's before time, season two, we should, yeah. we should have defined sketchiness, though, because there's lots of ways to be sketchy. So so uh, exactly. so we are
0: called the sketchy team, as per Jack Nichols. Yeah, yeah, the
2: sketchy team. Yeah. Yeah. I can say that on air if you want. But
0: you just said it. It's a win for the, it's the win for the sketchy team. Sort of come to an end. So, Jerome, you've been grilled by these two guys from the very start. Do you want to grill them on anything?
3: No, we just had the discussion, I think, uh, with, with Sam. You know, you find sometimes yourself into these situation with journalists. And, uh, and, and I think Sam you just mentioned that for you, it's the people you like to interview. Um, you build a relationship with them. There's people that doesn't give uh, too much. With these guys you tend to be tougher and try to to um so basically my question to you so it's just you're saying practically that if one is very open with you very you can rely and you can build a, a framework without something being disclosed we've had our stories in i mean we've had our moments and we 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 know and actually i don't need to grill uh, anybody here
1: well the first thing is you know personally i've got massive respect for all you guys that that do this professionally because I sure as hell couldn't do it. So the first thing is to have that respect. The second thing is, yeah, to build a, a relationship. So you, you know, you know who you're talking to, and you know where they're coming from, and, and and what they're doing. So again, going back to that element of trust and that understanding of where you know where where you're going in your career. So you know, do you naturally? You know,
3: sometimes we're just not in a position to disclose anything. Yeah, of
1: course. Yeah, and you've got to you've got to respect that. You've got to respect that and you're looking at me saying... Do you respect you don't me, always...
3: I'm just on record, just establishing the, the,
1: the, the thing. Then
3: we'll see yeah, in the future. One, you know, out, but
1: I'm just- you know nat- naturally, Jérôme, you, know, you have your professional business, which you do with your management team and your your partners or whoever, you know, your team. And, it, and it's my job to try and find out, to break news, to try and understand what what's going to happen in the future. So, you, you, you know, you... It's, it's it's not. A fine p- line. It's, a it's a fine line. line, and there's no set rules, you know. I mean, if there weren't any set, you know, truly any set rules, then you know, you'd find that tabloid journalists have done some pretty despicable things in the past, you know. Despite what people say, we're not a tabloid. Uh, you know what I mean? We're not the same sort of thing. You know, we're there to make we're in a, we're there to break news in a sport. So you kind of employ tactics which are based on uh, human interaction on uh, on relationships and and that and information you know people like i said people talk so you you take that and then you fit it in it's a bit of a puzzle and then often you know if you're talking to a driver and you've got a relationship then you'll you'll try and get some off the record stuff or you'll you know you'll get an understanding of what's going to happen in in the coming weeks or the the coming months so is that
3: the most important thing for you breaking a story being the first one to uh, to break it
1: not always no i mean it's part of it because we all want to be first. You know, you, you guys sure do. So it's the same for us in some respects, but not to the detriment it better of... better
3: to come a day late with a, a very fuller story. detailed, full story? Yeah, sometimes. Or is it better
1: to, to break it? Depends on the circumstances in the story. You can get both, I guess. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. But equally, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll wait. I mean, there's two stories we're working on at the moment, which we, we're waiting on, you know, because we can get a fuller picture of, of what's going to happen. Jack,
3: it's, it's always like that, you know. Jack, tell me something like these uh, I haven't been grilled too much by. You, but it looks so much. You guys look like you had so much fun. Oh, just, yeah, what's the craziest story you've had in the booth? That's completely off the record. Yeah, in, in, in the booth. Let us tell, oh, tell in, us the you boot. in the booth. Boot? In the booth, yeah, yeah. yeah like some, that was a some crazy story funny story, like some funny Put Dario on the spot, please.
2: Darius yeah. The difficult thing we have, just quickly, with the relationship with drivers is that you don't, like, criticise drivers too much, you know, because it's not really the job. You're sort of into news and blah, blah, blah. If something happens on the track, Dario gets to say what he thinks. And then I, sometimes I go, yeah, I agree. or Drivers get really cross about it sometimes. There was one in Montreal where... I think it was Duval and Heidfeld. Do you remember? And Duval was trying to go around the outside and he did that thing drivers do, which I don't really understand why, and he squeezed Hydefelt into the wall and they both crashed. And I was like, oh, that's just... Dario's like, oh, that's stupid. I'm like, oh, stupid idiot or an idiot or whatever. And I literally come out of the commentary box and Duval's waiting for me. Like, you think that so, was my fault? <laughs> um, Dario said it was, yeah. Dario said it was, <laughs> said it was. <laughs> said it was his fault. <laughs> and it's the same, so it's like... Uh, um, I'm going to dinner tonight with Mortara, and uh, Dario called him. Said he did a stupid move in the last race in in Paris, up the inside of Lynn. I said, "Oh, that's a brave one." Dario went, well, "That was a stupid one." Now we're going to have a dinner with him tonight, so he's going to be cross at me. All the drivers were cross at me after the football match, all of them, because uh, I slagged them all off. And uh, actually, I don't know if Pascal was quite nice as actually, actually. actually,
3: there's two guys who could play, Sam and Pascal. Yeah, exactly. The other guys were just. Jev was quite hilarious to watch. Just running. Without a ball. You did not step for this. So I have to watch I'm not it. not better. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, no,
2: I, you were great. Right. I just kept spinning the holes again. Get, get Pascal back on the pitch. Like, you <laughs> were the only danger that they had. You and Fisichella were a great little joke. But anyway, I got Decosta Costa coming up to me after the match because he was... His first five (laughs) passes, he gave away the ball five times in the first five minutes, and I laid into him a bit, and apparently all his friends would text him going, oh, the commentator thinks you're rubbish. So he goes, oh, you must be the best at every sport in the world, mustn't you? Oh, sorry. So that's where it gets difficult, because you don't want to criticise, right? But ultimately, your job is to say when something's gone right or wrong, you know?
1: Ego's are fragile in this sport. I'm going to ask you guys one
2: more question now, Okay
0: what's okay i'm with jack and i want to answer this time okay please don't go around okay, okay okay okay, okay. what's the most frustrating thing about formula
2: e? i can't decide whether the unpredictability is good or not i think that's what i find frustrating eight, this, season. this season in particular and in you know eight winners from eight races you go that's great and then you go but actually is it great because you think of all sort of great sports and it's Nadal versus Federer and it's senna versus Prost and it's Liverpool versus Man City and it's you know what i mean you need something to kind of you know that Degrassi versus Boemi was brilliant because that rivalry had built up throughout the year and then culminated in that those two head to head in London the big crash blah, blah 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 so i can't that's that's what frustrates me with the series sometimes you, I don't know if that's. If and it's that's, that's goodly really to you this know what I mean? year. You, Sorry? That, a, that is particular really to this, this year, year, and that I is particular it's, to you this made year.
0: But you made a positive story out of it. I was looking for more of something else. Okay, here. okay, 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 okay.
2: What really frustrates you about Formula formulary? E. Your salary must be really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. No, salary is fine. Um, uh, uh, that's why I'm here, not in Barcelona. But um, I would uh, what, I, I, sometimes the tracks. I would say sometimes the tracks.
3: Some of them. Still, it's not juicy enough. Come on.
2: Not juicy enough. You want something more frustrating? Well, that's,
0: that's
3: when a headline. A headline. Like, the tracks are only going to get. Want again.
2: like
0: Sam's headline tomorrow morning?
1: Jack says Yeah, this, yeah I'm this, right. This. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. what frustrates me is the perception that fans and a lot of people have about Formula E is that it's easy wasn't it great uh, the interview of Andre last night yeah, exactly I reposted that straight exactly. away yeah people don't understand what these guys do in the cockpit generally
3: every corner yep. and every driver that has driven the cars and Andre said it use these words. I'm gonna say you Hitting yourself every time you touch the brakes at the end of the straight because you don't know really. it's not 100% predictable. He's not, yeah, you get that Monda Pascal Formula One, you break at 110, you know what's going to happen. Here, sometimes it's okay, sometimes it's not okay, and it's it's just the most, I mean, it depends on the conditions, but like in Paris in the rain, it was like a man. Do you worry that that makes you as
2: drivers look Stupid. i you're happy for any other driver to join be. us
3: in the championship, and yeah. I say any driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and that's what has happened so far. Any driver that has joined has had a tough time. There's no guys Absolutely. with whatever name he had or whatever he's done in the past that has joined and just dominated the whole thing. And that it, goes back in, to the point of your commentary this year from Bohemi.
0: A couple of times he, there's some problems with this car, and he says, man, you guys are making me look bad. If you he hear yeah. his comments, yeah, like a couple yeah, of times yeah. he's gone on record saying, you guys yeah. are making me look bad because there's some control system. Yeah, but that, that's, like, that's a bit, that's like. a complex situation. I think, yeah,
3: I wouldn't, you know, and then on, on, on the other hand, we have to be honest here, the, that car has made him look good over a few seasons as well. So, uh, and you know, it's made, and in, in, in Sanya, I think he was in between me and Pascal, it was the car who made him look really good for a couple of laps. He was just, you know, with that... Uh, with, so I think it's, it's a question of sometimes, you know, you get, you, know you get a good car and sometimes it's more difficult, so...
2: Okay, okay I'm going for an off-the-record thing. Yeah. Which I hope the, crosses... Off-the-record on-the-record? On yeah, exactly. I hope it crosses language boundaries, and I think it's old enough now. So it was just before the first race in season one, and they were getting all their hashtags ready. The original plan was to have five fan boosts. They were going to be called e-boosts. So you'd have five e-boosts, and then the three winners would win one from the fans so that was and so the winner of fan boost would have six basically so you'd have five e-boosts and then one from the fans hmm. it wasn't until they were typing it out like the hashtags that they went okay so hashtag you know electric street racing hashtag e-boost hashtag fan boost oh <laughs> oh we can't have that we can't have that and so they had to they had to because it was going to be called a, a, a fan e-boost
0: That's a wrap-up on another episode of Straight Talk. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember to subscribe and comment. See you next time, guys.